0: for Pedal and Preach. You may or may not know or have recognized, especially if you're listening to the podcast, that we're changing it up a bit. And by changing it up, we had some uh, incredible listeners and people who join us all the time notice that I not only shifted positions in my garage for where it is that we are pedaling, I am also shifting the language a little bit. So as a, as a team, we've been focused on how do we adjust Peloton and Preach to serve a mass community, to be aligned to our vision and message and intention, and, and how do we partner? Partnership marketing is one of the most important things that you can do, and so a lot of influencers, if you will, will talk about it through the lens of branded partners, and that's something that we were about to start doing with specifically Peloton and Preach, and looking through the ethics of the company, looking through the representation of the company, looking through some of the things that they have aligned with, we don't feel connected to that. And so um, we're going to shift. And luckily, after last conference that we had last week at the Business Scaling Experience here in Virginia Beach, uh, the wife of the coordinator Tony DeSylvestro, Cindy came up to me and she's like, I love when you do pedal and preach. And I'm like, what? Girl, you just landed. We've been all processing. My husband's been thinking about it. Our new COO, Candice, has been processing. Gosh, we were racking our brains because we loved the sound of Peloton and Preach. And we know that Peloton has been, you know, a huge skyrocket during COVID. It has lost a lot of market share. Um, so it wasn't necessarily the alignment of that, but just that A lot more people have bikes. And so you all know the rule that if I'm working out, you have to be at least moving because it's just weird. Don't listen to me breathe. I'm also noticing that our new setup is a little too close to me. So I'm going to fix this really quick because it's bouncing around and driving me bonkers. All right. Come on. Help me out here. Help assist out. That didn't work. That didn't work. Stand by. Stand by. Come on. No, we don't want to work today. Maybe I can bounce. Maybe it'll work now. Okay. Anyway, I want to do something special. I'm going to give you guys the goods that I gave on stage last week uh, as a part of my quote-unquote finale keynote. I brought my Peloton. I mean, I was right here. I could not, right? And I've actually done my Pedal and Preach on Um, the Grow For God, the Founder Con stage as well. One of my favorite things to do is take the the one-liners, the mic drop moments that people give on stage throughout a conference. And I love to poetically format it so that those who have been there have something to like treasure and hold on to, as well as for the conference hosts, that they have something to reflect on. And this particular conference, because... There was a lot going on. A lot of amazing things happened. Roundtables, breakouts, um, the main stage experiences. Uh, There was podcast live going on. A lot of the same things that we do at FounderCon, which will be taking place in Raleigh, North Carolina. I see some North Carolinians, Linians in the house. And so making way to come to your state uh, November 10th and 11th. So make sure you have that on your calendar we can't wait to be with you. We can't wait to bring people in from all over um, to that conference. Early bird tickets are now available, so you can get those. Um, but I, I I wasn't able to see all of the speeches or the, the keynotes. I wasn't able to be in the mist. Now, I told you before that I want to break speaker culture. I want to break this, like, hierarchical structure that's developed in conference settings of the speakers kind of, like, gathering in this, like... Uh, fictitious cohort of, how do I say it? Um, I think hierarchy is fair. Okay, so like you can kind of see some things that transpire. And so one of my passions as a speaker is to not just be a speaker. When I go anywhere, I know that I'm there on purpose. I know that God has sent me to that space. And I also know that I have a lot to learn, right? And so if there's other speakers on stage, they've been called to that space and I've been called to learn and glean. And sometimes I've heard the keynote so many times. I never say the same thing twice when I get on stage. It's just my methodology. That's not everyone's methodology. Some people have a landed keynote, they do it around the country because obviously there's not the same people in the room and it works for them but it's just not my, not my forte. So anyway, I could hear the same exact person do the same exact thing, and I learn something different every single time because guess what I'm doing? My eyes are open to more than just what my ears are hearing. This is gonna be right on par today with our study about Samson. Oh no, I just lost my place with my marker. Anyway, it's right on point. I'm listening, but I'm actually watching more than I am listening. And for me, it's body language, it's repertoire, it's word order, it's um, gosh, it, it's cadence, it's, uh, it's the physicality connected, it's the emotion connected. We talked, Daryl Stenson was there, incredible TEDx coach and TEDx speaker. And he, he has this like, drawing in effect. Like it's just wild because of vulnerability, because of resonance frequency. And y'all need to get in the room next time. Okay. Some of these people that I'm talking about will be at our conference uh, later this year. So I'm so excited to bring everyone together, but we're going to start here and then we're going to jump to what I shared associated to Samson. I'm in judges right now. And I was reading through Samson this morning and trying to create an understanding of why this man, why this way, and why the outcome, right? Like, God, there's more to this story that I don't understand. And a lot of people look to Samson as like a seductress, right? And, and that's a feminine word maybe, but he is. He's an adulteress in some ways, um, unintentionally because of marital things going on with his Um, father-in-law, but he he has eyes for people and rather than the eyes for God. So we're going to get into that. That's the juicy stuff coming. But I want to share with you what I wrote as a part of the keynote that I shared. It was um, about 45 minutes. This will not be 45 minutes. This is about four minutes timed. And it's not premised on what was said during the conference, but it was premised on what My intention was with showing up there and what I felt like the Lord wanted me to share to the people in the community. So several hundred in the room got to hear this and uh, it's not something that they're going to put out anywhere else because they didn't do recordings like that for the conference. So I want to give you a little backstage pass or garage pass. (laughs) All right, here we go. In the present moment, you must see and hear to truly unlock what most will miss. It's caught not taught. Your roots will foster life or death they grow. The question remains, what will they show? A brand built for profit alone or more? Mission plus vision plus passions endure. Most won't take the leap into the dream. Walking on water, impossible they deem. But what if you were made for this? A victor regardless of the public miss. Creating experiences to embrace the need or what they've been missing? Fix the bleed. An ecosystem designed to help them thrive. Your business beat could be what keeps them alive. Purpose explored gives every trial a taste of your courage and plan. You're no copy and paste. Run up against the roadblocks. I dare you. Confidence is cultivated when you do what scares you. Systems, teams, leadership design I see. Learning the ropes and the business we glean. But ultimately, relationship revival is what the world does need and crave. Pass the Zoom. Pass a hug. Be the post they save. This journey, this business, your grace awaits. Truth be told, the present is what makes it all worthwhile. Tomorrow's struggle's still there. So hold on to the gift of what today does share. Fancy cars and diamond rings, they don't mean a thing. Can't take a hearse to heaven. Legacy will reign. The feeling, that story, the thing you always said, will leave whispers in eternity, a new spin on grateful dead. This is the time to stand out and scale. Generations at hand to what the man does sell. Integrity chases you down. The man in the mirror will be the last man standing. Will you be next to me? Station, stamina, stride, three words I leave you with. This triple threat of business reality versus a myth. Where you stand, watch. The station is purposed place. A stake in the ground, your story, your public case. Stay on pace. Don't hustle hard into a landmine. Stamina will be what makes you endure time. Stride is bold. One giant leap won't work. Be decisive in your direction. Don't lose ground and lurk. This is the equation that every great does care. Lincoln, Tubman, Graham. Souls are their shares. You're staying power against the status quo, the light of the world. You were born to glow. Who's ready to take the challenge at hand, to redefine the marketplace, a firm foundation we stand. The business scaling experience, founder con, a new holistic design. Why not you? Why not us? We're the opportunity they're looking to find. Woohoo! Yay! I'm applauding myself. That was fun. I love to write. I think words are so powerful. I think actions are so powerful. And when they're blended as one, holy cow, that's legacy. That's trajectory change. That's what happened with Samson in Judges. So let's get into the Bible. Hopefully you guys heard the illusion and the connective points of um, both business, both personal, professional growth. Connected to who you are, who God intends for you to be, and the trajectory of where you're going. If you missed it, <laughs> rewind, skirt, go back, listen again, because it's not—it's not about your business build. It's about you being the business, being remember before brand before business. All right, so we're in a Judges, and we're in Judges. Ooh, this is so good. Judges 13 through 16. And I'm going to give you one extra line from 17 as well, because I think it's critical. First off, I know we always talk about Mary, right? We always talk about the angel appearing to Mary and she conceives a baby. Now, we don't go into the conversation here that a baby was given to, hopefully I say her name right, Manoah. It's a really pretty name, Manoah, who is Samson's mom, without laying with her husband, because we know that they're married. But it does say that an angel appeared to her and says that she will have become um, pregnant. She has been unable to become pregnant and they had no children to this point. So this was a gift from God. An angel of the Lord appeared to her just like an angel of the Lord appeared to Mary. This time the husband got in on the action. (laughs) Unlike Joseph, he was like, I don't believe you. (laughs) I want to see it for myself. Tell, Tell me the next time this this." Man comes to see you. And uh, they were able to interact husband and wife with this angel and confirm that this is happening. In fact, they were able to burn a sacrifice in front of the angel and the angel confirmed. But this is what was a key note that I did not ever pick up on. So we are in Judges 13 and it says in five, the end of verse five, it says, well, I'll just read that whole one. You will become pregnant and give birth to a son sound familiar and his hair must never be cut for he will be dedicated to God as a Nazarite from birth uh, who else was a Nazarene Jesus born in Nazarene well Bethlehem but of Nazarene right does anything good come from from Nazarene he will begin to rescue Israel from the Philistines um, this is that this is what I have highlighted highlight highlight he will begin To save, this says rescue Israel. It's the same exact thing that was said to Mary. But this time, instead of saying he will save, not he will begin, he will save Israel. That's what Jesus did. So this is like so much more important history than I could comprehend just in that one line, just in that example of of, uh, Old Testament to New Testament, right? Old Testament to New Testament, this is so critical. It mirrors one another in so many ways. It prepares our spirit. It's prophetic to what will be. And so, Jesus was not born until 1000 plus years later, but this is an amazing opportunity for us to learn about what is going to transpire. And Samson did the groundwork. He truly did some groundwork for the Philistine army for the Philistines overall because they were the pagans who then had to be completely torn down for Israel to rise. So I want to talk to you. We were talking about the the eyes and the ears connected to something very much in the natural, me being at a speaking engagement and watching more than I am listening. Well, that's not always the right thing to do because It literally tells us time and time again to be mindful of our eyes. And when we come into knowing the Lord and he removes the scales from our eyes, it's like we're looking with brand new lenses. So Samson had some problem with his eyeballs. And I'll tell you why, specifically when it came to lust. And out the gate even, when it was time for him to marry, he told his mother and father, even though they they didn't want this to be the case because there was supposed to be no intermingling, He said, I've got eyes for her. I've got eyes for her. I want her. This is what I want. Go down and get her for me. I'm going to marry her. Well, there was the whole element of the lion capture. You need to get into Judges 13 to read. I'm not going to go through every tiny detail because that incident in and of itself is so dynamic. Because, well, I'm not going to tell you why because I could go into it. But the lion, he slays. He actually comes back by after a long period of time because we know that a carcass has to decompose and the animals and all the things, and there was honey inside. And so that is a promise connected to the vision of the land of the milk and honey, right? The promises of God reign true. And so he went after this bride from a different um, a different city, a different tribe that he was not supposed to intermingle with. He did it anyway because of his eyes, his Hearing was from his mom and dad, who he should have listened to. From the father, he should have listened to. He knew the commandments, he knew the rules, but his lust went after it anyway. What I find really interesting is as he was doing this, when the lion situation happened, the spirit of the Lord came on him. And this is where it can get confusing because we think someone who missteps, or chooses their own will outside of God's will cannot have covering. But our Father in heaven has intention beyond what we could possibly ask, think, or imagine, and his will will be done. Let me say that again. His will will be done. It's not a, a, "Uh uh-oh, I I misstepped. No, 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 now, do not go out and just like start living like Samson. (laughs) We don't want that for you. We want righteousness to be a part of your life. Simultaneous to that, I can see so much of favor in my life and all the places I missed at where God never left me, He never forsaked me, He'll never leave you, He'll never forsake you. And when the lions come to kill, still, and destroy, you're gonna have a might unlike any other, even still, even when you have eyes for something else. Now, we've talked about desire a lot on the pedal and preach show on Fit and Faith Podcast. And It's this understanding that it's of God, right? The desire is of God. When that becomes a little G God and you're putting your emphasis in flesh, which we know is the human spirit rather than the spirit of God, we can get distorted. We can get distracted, but God wants us to love. He wants us to have intimacy. He wants us to marry and enjoy sex with our loved one. He wants that. However, we try to take it in our own will. Remember his will will be done. So even though his father said all of these things, there's something that was said that I think is really incredible. I told you that no matter what, God has his way. And there was purpose on his life outside what his, his city, his parents could even see. And I believe the same for Jesus' mom and dad. That they couldn't even possibly fathom what was to come, right? They were with it. It says, his father and mother didn't realize that the Lord was at work in this creating an opportunity to work against the Philistines who ruled over Israel at that time. Come on. So Samson told his father, get her for me. She looks good to me. And they didn't know that God was working even in that, that there was probably a desire in his heart. Do you remember when um, Moses approached Pharaoh and it said over and over again, God hardened Pharaoh's heart. I always thought that was so confusing, but this is kind of the same thing in the understanding that God is actually in control. Imagine that. He actually is in control, even of our heart, even of our heart. And so understanding that he had control over Pharaoh to harden his heart, because I'm sure there were times where Pharaoh was like, I give up. (laughs) I surrender. I see that your God is mighty, but it wasn't about Pharaoh. It was about the entire Egyptian Uh, territory because that is how they were freed from slavery, the Israelites. It's all about God's people. He's trying to free you even in the situation that you're in right now. And I think that this is a word for such a time as this because our spiritual eyes have been weakened to cultural eyes instead of Christ's eyes. There are lenses. We get to choose every single day what lenses we put on. Are you putting on the lens of Christ or the lens of culture? Now, he was doing it with flesh, right? He saw something that he wanted. Who can raise their hands to something that they want right now that is a tangible asset? Something that you don't need, something you can't take to heaven, and you're like, I want that. Think of my kids. I want that, right? And it's not all wrong, and God can use it. But be mindful that what's to come from it. So anyway, he gets what he wants, right? He, he goes after the, the girl, he gets her. And sadly, later, there's a lot of debauchery about what happens. He ends up having to, well, he doesn't, but his wife gets killed because the dad ends up giving her to his best man later. So Samson gets really mad. He then is like so destroyed. There's all of this killing that transpires because of it. This is when he ties the foxtails together with the torches and they go through and he was just trying to destroy the land, but he ended up destroying and killing a lot of people as well. Why am I telling you all of this and how is it connected to you? When it's connected to your spiritual eyes, you start to see later that we know Samson gets his eyes gouged out. I don't want to skip too far ahead without giving you context to his strength. Because we hear that a lot. And this is the whole story of Samson is his strength, right? So I think of Samson, I think of his long dreads, his locks, and I think of his muscles. I think of what he did with the lion. I think of what he did with killing all of these men. I think of what he did with the jawbone of the donkey when he was about to be attacked again by the Philistines. And after he killed so many of them, he kills thousands, right? He was strong. But when Delilah comes into his life, After a prostitute, again, he had a little bit of a trouble with his line of sight and what he laid his energy into. Your eyes can destroy your physicality, okay? It can destroy your ability to hear from God, but he works all things together for good, and so I just ask that you surrender that to him and understand where your power and your might actually comes from. So when he gets into this relationship with Delilah, remember, God uses this. Eventually, his desire for Delilah trumps his desire for remaining in strength with God, remaining in alignment with the Lord. And yet, he's had all of these encounters where the Spirit of God comes over him, and he even asks for it. He's like, God, I need you, right? Especially, it says, but the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon Samson. There's no way he could have known His own strength versus God's strength. He had to have. He couldn't not know. I'm sorry. He couldn't not know his strength. And so when the Lord comes on you, just like when the Lord comes on me, there's this like, whoa, that is so good. I couldn't have done that by myself. This is when we take time to praise God. We should be praising him all the time. But this is when we really give him honor, where honor is due. And so this is when he snapped the ropes of his arms and All this time, the spirit of God kept coming over him as Delilah was trying to infiltrate because all she wanted was money. Her desire actually wasn't even her love. Her desire was resources, was money, the love of mammon, right? And this is culture, right? Culture's lens, more money. It still says more money, more problems, but people still want more money. I don't get it. It's like a really popular song, right? (laughs) And yet people still go after the thing that they think is going to comfort them. So she's like, it's fine. You can take my husband if you give me a thousand pieces of silver per person who comes to rescue and, well, not rescue, to steal um, Samson out of his bed, right? Because they want him. They want to have revenge on their people. A lot of people want revenge. They might want revenge on you. And it's not anything to do with you. It's their lack of being in alignment with God that creates this tension in their life. And so they're focused, their eyes are focused on the problem instead of the fixer, the solution, the answer all the time. Is this something that's resonating with you? Perhaps this is resonating with you. I'd love for you to drop in the chat. Have you moved your eyes from the desire of God And you're looking at the problem and you're trying to fix the problem. Because if you're trying to fix the problem in your own might, you're actually the Philistines in this story. If you're trying to release the thing that you had hold on to for so long and it got you through some of the darkest times in your life. And now you're just willing to lay it down because something else feels good, looks good, might be right. Maybe you're laying it down for love, but it's not real love. It's not transcendent love. Now you're Samson in the story. Maybe you are being coaxed by culture so much that the thing that God has given you that could be a part of your sanctuary, like Samson and Delilah could have like gone on and been king and queen in whatever essence of what that looks like for them. And she fixed her eyes on mammon, on money as her solution. And she disregarded her love for Samson. Who are you in this story? It's like the prodigal son. I always am like, oh, I'm the prodigal one, right? But when I when I read Henry Nowen's book and it talked about being the brother or being the father in different scenarios, my eyes were opened. So my eyes were opened in the story of Samson because I'm like, whoa, we all operate in these different places. So after three times of lying and protecting his strength, even against his love for Delilah, he finally makes way because she, well, one, doesn't stop nagging. I've actually read a lot about women nagging in the Old Testament. It was really interesting. They end up getting their way. So don't nag because that's annoying, but be persistent. (laughs) Be persistent, okay? That's something I think God has given us a supernatural ability to do because of our emotions, where men, they're just like, "Eh." either they, they put the hammer down, which is not healthy either, or they just... Move on to the next, right? They're not going to get their way because they're going to figure it out. So we're at the last part where Samson gives his, his strength away because of his hair. And he believed that his physical strength was connected to his hair. In fact, it was his spiritual strength. It was honoring God. It was asking for God's support. It was when the spirit of God came on, Samson, had nothing to do with his hair, Had nothing to do with his hair. And I need to go further in and reread it. Because as I'm speaking, I'm like, I don't know that Samson actually ever asked God for his help. He did honor him sometimes after the fight. But it wasn't until he was in the actual place where he was being mocked, where he had already gotten his eyes gouged out by the Philistines, where they were having a great festival and offering sacrifices and praising their God, not our God, and he was brought in by chains. His hair had started to grow back because of the slavery that he was doing what he was doing while he was in slavery um, and bondage. There was a time that he was in captivity. He wasn't immediately gouged out and then immediately brought in where he killed everyone. No, there was like a duration of time where even the Philistines took their eyes off the prize because they knew that the answer supposedly was in Samson's hair and his hair had grown back. And because they were drunk, and it says this, they were drunk and partying, they didn't even consider that the one thing that they knew was the secret to his strength, they believed, had come back and they allowed him into their temple at that point. I mean, that's that's ballsy. I don't know if I could say ballsy on Peloton or pedal and preach. I gotta start saying pedal and preach, but I just did because it's true. And so he asked, Hey, can you place my hands on the pillars? He had no, he had no physical eyes. He likely had lost so much of his physical strength. He had his physical hair, but this is when I believe God came and answered because he called on God. He said, he prayed to the Lord, sovereign Lord, remember me again. O God. So he knew that God had favored him. Remember me again, O God, and please strengthen me one more time. With one blow, let me pay back the Philistines for the loss of my two eyes. Then Samson put his hands on the two center pillars that held up the temple, and he pushed against them, and he prayed, Let me die with the Philistines. And the temple crashed down, and he killed more people, in that act, than he did in his entire duration of time, twenty years as the judge of Israel, twenty years, and in one act, all of his strength was shown and showcased. And ultimately, it was God's strength. His people did come and bury him in a proper burial ceremony, and so I loved reading that part of it. That his his life was still honored. His uh, he got to lay with his father and mother where they were buried. So comprehending all of this together tied to what we talked about at the beginning is that sight and sound matter. God will speak to you. God will show up for you. He endures. Even when you feel like you're not enduring, even when you're in bondage, like Samson was, God had a plan. And so as I process this story and I understand that there's this mirroring to Mary With Manoah, it's an M. So good. And Samson and Jesus, there's also this mirroring that Jesus, unlike Samson, did not operate in the flesh. He operated in the spirit. And this is how we have to activate. This is the whole tie the bow on this, this conversation. If we operate in our flesh by our own ability, our culture's ability to give us the lens of whatever perspective it wants us to believe they i'm doing air quotes for those who are listening they want us to believe they're passing out sunglasses all day long do your research on sunglasses i won't go there today but they're passing them out and they're destroying your vision connected to the god lens simultaneously sound what are you tuned into i gotta go back to eyes one more time because it was something i dealt with for a long time Was the spirit of lust. And it wasn't necessarily that I wanted someone else. Everyone knows I call my hubby Gary Hot Hubby. I I love him, he is hot. It was this, it was actually more of validation for myself that I needed this love, I needed fulfillment in that place. And this the sexual culture in which we lived in had me believing. Again, it's this understanding of what do you look at, what do you hear? I was listening to crazy music that was telling me that I had to be something else in order to be beautiful or seen or loved. And then simultaneous to that, I had seen with my eyes, oh, she's getting attention. Oh, that's how I'm supposed to dance. Oh, this is what I'm supposed to wear. You walk into Target right now, and I'm like, no wave. (laughs) You're not wearing that. The little girls are rocking some of the things that big girls shouldn't even be rocking, It's perplexing, but the further we remove ourselves from the spirit of God, the further we remove ourselves from God and we start to be of our own gods, our mini gods, we've now created our own ideation. We have our own bail, right? Culture today has their own bail, their pagan society of who and what they're worshiping. Y'all, do you comprehend that there are Satan worshipers? In our school system, here locally, there was this big debacle about having a Satan club. That it was not fair that if we could have a Christian club, that they shouldn't be able to have a Satan club. Wow. Absolutely nuts, right? This is what, this is what our kids are dealing with. And if we are not focused in on how do we shift culture back to Christ, the only way to do that. Is to stop looking through your own eyes. Stop listening to what culture is feeding you. And start tuning into Christ. Start honoring him. Start walking out his will. Start praying to God like Samson did in the middle of your battle. In the middle of your pit. In the middle of your bondage. And say, God, remember me. Remember us, oh God. This is a... Colossians I can't think of the exact verse. Kelly, you're so good at this. It's a, it's a verse in Colossians about if my people repent and turn to me and they pray, I will heal their land. I will listen to them and I will heal their land. This is a perfect example of that, but in a collective culture, not just for Samson, this was on behalf of Israel that God did this. It was one man. Sure but he, he didn't do it for, for him. He did it for all of his people. He was a conduit. And so I encourage you to always recognize that you are a conduit for Christ. No matter where you show up, no matter where you are, no matter what season you're in, Samson is a slave and he saves his people. Do you get this? The power and authority in which we get to walk into every situation is premised off of our identity. It's not premised off of what you've done. It's not premised off of what you can do because it's not by your works that you're saved. It's by faith and grace you are saved. And this is where we can get it wrong so often because our culture is all about accolades. Our society is all about what have you accomplished? It's all about this understanding and knowledge of something that is not who we are. Even if for a season, I am something, this is the problem. When I am removed from this thing, my world goes into shambles because my eyes are fixed on this as my God. We serve a constant God who never changes. His personality never changes. Ah, not Colossians. Chronicles. Kelly got it. 2 Chronicles 7.15. When my people repent, change your ways and fix your eyes on him and pray, he will hear from heaven and he will heal our land. He will heal our land. That's exactly what happened in Samson. It's exactly what it is that the founder con is here for, from a marketplace perspective, because this is where people are. People are in a place of jobs. They're in a place of where their physical strength and their lens can serve, right? And it's not all bad. I say service as, as, a, as kudos, like you're using your gifts, you're using your talents, you're going to work today. Thank you. God sees you. He honors that obedience he honored all of their the king's obedience. David's obedience when he was a shepherd was just as important when David was king. Do you hear that? Your obedience matters. Thanks, Kelly. It's actually Second Chronicles seven, fourteen, not fifteen. And so your obedience connected to where you are matters. And when we create when we created founder as the nonprofit that it is which means that a portion of all of your, your ticket proceeds actually will get to be a tax write off for you and actually is a gift on behalf of the nonprofit and what it is that we're doing for faith driven entrepreneurs. We see schools in the future. We're going to have an angel investment fund, which will allow startups to actually thrive and grow. So these are long vision forecasts, but they will happen. We'll have a missions arm, We'll actually be developing entrepreneurs in other countries that will actually help thrive everything that we're doing here. So it is not a sweat factory from China that we are relying on or that we're supporting. We're actually going to be teaching about Jesus in those places alongside our partner with vision trust. There's so much to come, but right now, as we just get started, the intention is to know that we are standing firm on a firm foundation with our eyes fixed. And our spirit filled with Christ rather than ourselves. And that is a constant need. And so every single Wednesday, you're invited to the Founder Collective table. I know you might be listening to the Fit and Faith podcast right now. Um, I know you be, might be watching this live and you're like, wait, how does peddle and preach? How does Fit and Faith flow into Founder? It's really all one and the same. Fit and Faith is our for profit arm that allows us to help. Christian entrepreneurs thrive through their platform, through their books, through their publishing and their podcasting. You know, I love alliteration. <laughs> their platform, their podcasting, their publishing. That's how Fit and Faith helps entrepreneurs from an actual asset based business build. And then Founder is how we help through the lens of discipleship and community gathering. And so every Wednesday, you're invited 12 o'clock Eastern to come to the Founder Collective table. It's a live free Zoom. We have people from all over the country, sometimes the world, depending on where they're tuning in from, that come to share. It comes to be a refuel station. Because in order for Samson to have stayed in alignment, he needed consistency in the people who were sharpening him. And I believe when he got in his own might, when he got into his own eyes, his own lens of lust, this happened to me. It, he made mistakes. He made missteps. He tried to stay strong. He tried to not give the truth, but we have to, we have to remain in truth. Do you know, I believe, as I'm saying this, I'm like, whoa, if, if Deli, if, if Samson had just been honest because he was aware, right? This is the awareness factor of your spiritual alignment to Christ of the strength in which you possess as a daughter or a son of the king most high. If he had said nothing about his hair, he believed it was his hair. If he had said nothing about that and just said, oh, my strength comes from God. What do you think the Philistines could have done? Nothing. Because all the things that he were giving were physical assets. He said it was his, he could put his hair into a loom he got, out of it. he said it was his physical strength and the two different types of bindings that she put him in. He broke free from ropes and cords. But when he said it was his hair and she, he shaved it. I believe that there was this mental shift that ha- happened for Samson. Ooh, this is good. God's not letting me forget this in this moment. Cause it was not something that I sat on before. Oh man. Oh man. So good. He's saying that it's not just. Your eyes and your ears, it's your mind. Come on, God. This is why I love Petal and Breach so much because I just get to sit with him and you and process. I'm processing all of this out loud. I just read this this morning and was asking God questions, but he's saying if if Samson had made up his mind that it was the Lord God Almighty who protected him, who was his strength and his provision, That likely wouldn't have happened. He would have probably not been captured. Now, we know that there was a benefit to that, but could it have spared Samson's life? Could he have lived that much longer as a child of God? And could God have used him even more to save even more souls and to kill off the Philistine pagan society? Maybe So it's not just about getting Christ's lens. It's not just about hearing from the Lord versus hearing the whispers of Delilah in your ear or the enemy who's coming after you. He ran and hid from the enemy. He was afraid for his life. (laughs) Meanwhile, little David, who has a total different mind um, perspective than what Samson physically in nature appears to look like, he went right into the battle. He said, I know I'm the smallest of my brothers. No, the king's armor doesn't fit me. I'm, it doesn't matter. I've got my slingshot. I'm good. Meanwhile, Samson's jacked, right? (laughs) He's like Arnold Schwarzenegger and he's going to run and hide because he's afraid. Man, there's a difference. David knew he had made up his mind that the Lord would fight on his behalf and Samson thought it was in his own flesh. Woo! How are you operating? How are you showing up? Come on, God. Thank you so much, Lord, for your wisdom. God, for your revelation. Thank you for the community of listeners that are coming here on a consistent basis to just hear you, Lord. I always say not to follow me. Don't follow me, follow him. God, we thank you for the growth. We thank you for the favor. We thank you for the endurance to show up on a pedal, on a pedaling experience, on a bike. To bless people. Ooh, we got a new one. New tagline. Bike and bless. Pedal and preach. <laughs> one of the same. I'm such a nerd. Holy Spirit, we just thank you for your covering in our lives. I pray that all the listeners would just put down those cultural lenses, those shades. And they would pick up an eyes to see and hears, ears to hear what no man has ever heard. God, we just want to hear from you. We want to hear from your spirit. We love you, God. We know you speak to your children. We know that you operate on our behalf. We know that it is by your strength that we have this joy, never ending, everlasting, this peace that transcends all understanding. We know that we do not fight against flesh and blood, but against power and principalities. We know that we don't have to use natural weapons. We get to use weapons of warfare like worship and your word and righteousness and truth and peace, God. The helmet of salvation, Lord, is ours. We thank you for that. We thank you that you sent your only son to give us that helmet of salvation. Lord, without you, without us, without him, there would be no us. Hmm. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you so much for this time this morning. Thank you for tuning in and listening to my, my poem this morning. I don't get to share those very often. I think I'm going to have to do it more frequently. There's one final thing and I think I shared it, but I want to make sure because it wasn't until judges 17 that it said in those days, Israel had no king. All the people did was whatever seemed right in their own eyes. We cannot live by the truth and the lens of our own eyes pick up the eyes of Christ. See what he says about your situation. Pray into it and see what power and strength he will reveal to you today. He's not a God of waiting, <laughs> even though he loves to process you and he loves for you to be in the process missed him. He delivers on time, every time, right when you need it. His will be done, not yours. Love you guys. Thanks for hanging out for Pedal and Breach. Okay, so this is kind of weird to be promoting a podcast on a podcast and it's not my podcast and it's not a friend's podcast, though you are my friend. It's your podcast. You want a slot, right? You want to be heard. You want to amplify your voice because you too have an incredible message to share with the world. This is the coolest part. It is with the world. It's with the nations. And that's exactly what we're told to do. Go and tell. Go and make Disciples of Nations, and podcasting is a way to do that. So if you are ready to finally press play on this idea, the best way to do it, instead of chasing down the YouTube degree that you can surely get on these areas, or chasing down all the podcasters that you know and piecemealing your own way through, is to come to a a two-and-a-half-day experience, a retreat, actually, with our Fit Media team, who has been doing this for quite a while, five years, in fact. And We've launched over 40 podcasts at this point, and it's pretty dynamic, the methodology in which we've uncracked the code around to allow you to not only come just with an idea, but to leave with a fully equipped, fully uh, available, yes, it's live and in action with two and a half days podcast that the whole world has access to. We're going to do recording. We're going to do photo shoot for your cover. We're going to create designs and media. We're going to talk about... How do you use this in your business strategy? I mean, the list goes on and you will not be left alone afterwards because you get access to a full portal of teaching around it for any of the additional questions that you may need. So. You need to get your butt in the seat, all right? Really, get your booty into the experience and go to the website, check out and apply. All the things that you need are there and we cannot wait to welcome you there. It'll be in Virginia Beach, Virginia and that's my hometown. That's a lot of our team's hometown and so we're excited to welcome you here. Our home, Um, flights and accommodations are not included but everything else is 100% taken care of and you're gonna have more than your fair share of ROI on this dynamic experience. I can assure you, and you can check out the reviews to prove it. Anyway, love you guys. Thanks for tuning in to the Fit and Faith podcast. Can't wait to hear what your title going to be. I'm Don Hawkins, and I once heard Chick fil A founder Truett Cathy say you can tell if a person needs encouragement, check to see if they're breathing.